no matter what we say, you still got sushi and wine. <laughs> and a song. And a song. And, and some music. So there's, it's only more from here. They called this event the Kabbalah of now. That's what we're doing. And we're trying to figure out how do we live our lives the deepest, the happiest, the most connected. It's a good thing. So you can, can only gain if we're speaking about that. And so what is Kabbalah? I'm sure at some point we've heard the term before either before or after Madonna, for sure, right? But at some point, it entered the mainstream of our collective consciousness that Torah has this deeper layer, and it's called Kabbalah. And Kabbalah is complex. There's lots of elements even within Kabbalah itself, but simply, it's the mystical, spiritual, underneath side of Torah, of life, of reality. And that's what we'll try to understand even just a little bit. But even with all the complexities, and it is, and if you've ever been to a uh, class on Hasidus or Kabbalah, you're going to hear that there's lots of word plays and there's lots of numbers and there's a big system and there's spheros and there's souls and there's levels of souls and there's all this stuff um, which can get really complicated really fast. So I'm going to try to keep it simple and just speak about what, what the word Kabbalah means and what, what does that mean to us and uh, how do we deal with that hashta, deal with that now? How does it impact our life today? That before we even leave the room tonight, we already have something. So any Hebrew speakers in the house? Okay, we have a few. So Kabbalah means? Acceptance. Acceptance, receiving, right? So the, the simple, under, just the translation of the word, when we think about the word Kabbalah, so the word Kabbalah translates to receiving, something that you accept, it's something that you receive. It's like a download when you're <coughs> plugged in. The word Kabbalah comes from another word in the Hebrew language. That word is lahakbil, lahakbil. The kuf bet lamed, that same word, which means to be in alignment with. How aligned am I? How in tune am I with a deeper part of myself, with a deeper part of reality? Am I open? Which, by the way, when you're in tune with that, then you receive from that place. That's why it means to receive. What are you receiving from? If Kabbalah is receiving. It doesn't sound like, it, it sounds like a bunch of ideas, but no, when you align your way of thinking, your way of being, your way of feeling, your way of acting in a certain way, you get this deep, deep part of yourself comes through. And a deep, deep part of reality comes through. People have had intuition before. Some intuition, ever? It's, where does that come from? It's that, that's really what we're talking about, right? It's sometimes you go somewhere and you just know something and you know it's true. Like uh, you've, heard, you've heard a line before from someone and they say a piece of 
Torah or an idea or anything, and everything inside of you just says, yes, whatever that is, that's true. That part of you that resonates with something so real that's outside of you, that's also, it's not because you've learned something new, it's because you're recognizing something old, right? Because it's already inside of us. It's already in our minds. It's in the deepest part of our consciousness. And Kabbalah is that part, right, that you tune into, tap into, or you can tap out of. You can, you can just be living your life. Or you can live your life, and there's an added layer, and there's a deeper level of depth. So I want to do just a, a quick exercise together, if that's all right. And then we can speak a little more. Then we can do more exercises and speak a little more and then play some music and something like that. So, but I need both your hands, if that's okay. So you can just put your hands up like this. Thank you. Almost there, don't worry. Just need everybody. Okay. Give me all your money. <laughs> okay. See? That goes over better in London than in Manchester. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, you just repeat after me and this won't hurt much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that. No, you've now learned the, se the secret to life um, is that's how you guarantee yourself a round of applause in the beginning of your talk as opposed to waiting to the end and hoping for it. Right? Okay. What do your hands feel like? It's a short clap. But can you feel your hands? What do they feel like? Words. Uh, warm, that's a start. Tingling. Yeah, I like that. Tingling. Don't worry, we'll be here all night. <laughs> you can feel your hands a little more after than before? Yeah, good. Um, what did your feet feel like while we were clapping? Didn't feel it. Didn't feel it. Why not? That's right. Very good. So what we're going to do, just for a couple moments, is if you can just put all of your focus and attention into your feet right now, right? And notice how everyone has to sit up straight when you say that because you can't say, feel your feet without the entire room having to sit up straight because your feet aren't there if you're not sitting straight. Um, that's true in every city I go to. It's amazing. All of your attention in your feet, into the soles of your feet. You don't have to close your eyes, but if it helps, you can. And just feel into your toes. You can feel the socks surrounding your feet. The shoes, maybe they're tight, maybe they're loose. Just feel into whatever you feel in your feet. If your feet are suspended, you can feel the space underneath. If your feet are on the ground, you can feel the ground underneath your feet and that pressure. And from this place of feeling your feet, we're going to clap again. And the exercise is one. Can you still feel your feet while you clap this time? But this time keeping all your focus and attention on your feet. Okay, here we go.
just with a show of hands, if you could feel your feet while we were clapping. Okay? So it's about 99% of the room here. Yeah? And that's an amazing exercise, and that really is one of the secrets to life. <coughs> what changed? <coughs> what you focus on, you feel. What you focus on, you feel. And what's amazing is your feet were there before, and you didn't grow feet and then have this experience. They were there the whole time. But there was something else grabbing your attention. And there was something else grabbing your ears and your hands were feeling sensations. And that represents all the noise in our life. <coughs> and our feet represent another aspect of ourselves and a reality that is here now, but we're just not tuning into. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What element of ourselves, what elements of our lives exist here now, but because my mind is so noisy, because my heart is so noisy, because my life is so noisy, that I just don't feel it. I just don't know it to be real. I don't know it to be true, but it is. It's just as real as your feet. But the question is always, am I looking at it? Am I aware of it? Am I focusing on it? So there's a line in the Gemara, and the Gemara says, this is like one of the most important lines on the planet. Yeah? One of the most important lines I think that's ever been written. And it says, if you have awareness, what do you lack? But if you lack awareness, what do you have? Right? You get it? If you have awareness, you'll feel like what do I have? I have everything. But if you lack this awareness, this idea, there's this thing called das in Torah, you can have it all, but feel like, what do I have? You can go through life and feel like, what do I have? I've like all week, so sorry. Hello. Is it better? No, no, no need. Now you need to apologize to it. I mean, <laughs> It'll be okay. He has a very strong sense of self. Yes. It'll be fine. If you have awareness, what do you lack? But if you lack awareness, what do you have? There's so much going well in life. There's so much about your essence that exists. There's so much good on the earth. If you turn on the news, you will not feel it. That is basically a promise. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was speaking to a certain uh, well-known rabbi in America. His name is Manus Friedman. And we were once talking and he said, you know, they should just change the name of the news to the bad news. Because <laughs> that's all you get. It's the bad news. If you want to see the good news, you have to look somewhere else. There's a network, by the way. It's called the Good News Network. It's great. They take all the articles of the good news and put them right in front of you. Wonderful idea. What you focus on, you feel. And there's a deeper part of yourself 
that when you feel that, you feel more alive. Life feels deeper, happier, lighter, stronger, because it's not so noisy. I don't know if uh, there's enough time in the world to really speak about <coughs> the noise, because there's so much of it. There's a, a word in Torah for God. In fact, there are many. If you've ever opened up a Siddur, if you've ever opened up a Chumash, any Torah book, eventually you'll find out there's a lot of names for God. Like we've just got name after name after name after name. Eventually you're trying to figure out, okay, which one am I praying to? Okay, lots of names for God. But they're all reflecting different elements of reality. And there's an essential name, and that essential name is, there's no board behind me, so I can't write it. So you have to imagine it or trust me, which, trust me, okay? It, it's spelled the letter Yud, and then a hey, and then a Vav, and then a hey. okay? That's like a little dot, and then three other letters if you don't know Hebrew, <laughs> okay? And that name points to the essence of reality. It's amazing. You know, we don't even say the name. Uh, it was really funny. There's a certain uh, writer, teacher, his name's Eckhart Tolle. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah? He, uh, he wrote a book called The Power of Now. Uh, he came to Israel a few years ago. And when he came, uh, he came to speak. It was a small group. And when he got on stage, he said, I learned something about the Jewish people today. He said, I learned that you don't say the name God. You don't say God's name. You say Hashem. You say the name. He said, I hope you realize how precious, how precious what you have is. He's like, because that's the deepest way you can relate to the spiritual force of the world. I hope you realize how precious that is. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying it also. <laughs> it's so precious because the name itself is sacred. But what's sacred about it? It's because it points to something deeper. Points to an aspect of reality that is the essence of your life, the essence of yourself. And the yud, and then the hey, and then the vav, and the hey, those letters all together, what they mean are always now, eternally here, forever present. That's actually what the name translates to. The yud means always, all the time, forever, constant. And then the hey, vav, hey spells hove, that means present, here, being, now. And so, according to Kabbalah, right, the Leshem is one of the biggest Kabbalists of the 20th century, or the early 20th, late 19th century. And he says that you have to know what that name means is the forever present, the always now. And if you want to connect to the depth of who you are and the truth of what life is, we have to come back to that place. Because when you come back to that place, the noise subsides. The noise goes away. Because how much of our days and our lives are preoccupied with time? We're just so preoccupied with time. Like, if you think about how much time in your day do you spend speaking about what already happened or talking about what's going to happen, it's pretty surprising to find out it takes up the majority of our space. Most of the time, we're speaking about a story that already happened. Or we're talking about plans for the future. There are certain people 
that are naturally more present and they have a certain lightness about them. And when you're with them, you feel seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those people who when you're, when you're with them and they're, they're just with, they're with you and they're not thinking about anything else, they're just like right there. Nothing else exists. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it feels really good because their presence awakens something inside of you. You're like, oh wait, we can do that. We can just be here together. Nothing has to happen. Nothing has to be said. It's just awake. And it's alive. So maybe if we can, just to do a small meditation, to kind of come to that space a little bit, this is really, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidah says, this is the answer to like 99% of our problems in our life, is how present can we be as we live? Because most of our problems are stories that we're carrying in our minds. They're not actually problems, they're just situations, which we're going to do something about. You either can do something about it, or don't do something about it. Those are the options. You can take an action, or you can accept the fact that you can't do anything about it. Um, everything else is crazy, because there's nothing you can do about it. So now you're just living in a story. So if you become present, that means to drop the story, to drop all the drama of our life. And how you feel when you drop the drama in your life is you feel very good because you're feeling very God, because you're feeling the godliness of who you are and what life is. So the question I want us to think about just for a minute or two, yeah? If you can just close your eyes and take a deep breath, very, very simple. And just ask yourself, who am I? That's it. And think about what, whatever comes up, just see it. You don't have to think about it. Who am I? <coughs> and ask the question again. Who am I? And if you think of your name, so, okay, that's a name. It's not, it's not who you are. It's an, the name of what you are. You call yourself while you're here. So, who am I beyond my name? If I don't have a name, who am I? Are you still you? So you think about your life story. You think about what you do. But if you didn't do what you did, if you weren't in school, if you weren't at the job you have, would you still be you? So who are you and who am I beyond my job? And it's not something that you really think about as much as you sense and feel. And then maybe you think about the story of your life and your history. But if you had a different day yesterday, would you still be you? If you had a different day last year, on this day last year, would you still be you? <coughs> Who am I? And there's a space. And even just sitting and being in this moment, 
you're here now, and that's closer to who you are than all the stories of your life. Who am I? There's a place where no words can really define the wholeness that you are. And that's always here now. It was here with you when you were four years old, when you were 12, when you were 18, and when you'll be 85, and God willing, 120. Whoever the is that you are that's having this life, that being, that neshama, that presence, who am I? Whenever you're ready, you can take a deep breath, come back to the room. There's a force inside of you that is unlimited, that is beyond any idea, any constriction, and any limitation that we put on ourselves. And the more we come back to that place, the more we live in that space which is always here now, no matter what you think and no matter what's happening, the more peace and joy you'll experience in your day, the more love you'll feel, and the relationships in your life take on a whole new level. So connecting to the name, connecting to Hashem, connecting to your soul, and really living what Kabbalah is about is about coming back in tune and back in alignment with that space. The blessing I give to all of us is that we can live there more often. And you, you don't have to do it at some time in the future. You can only ever do this now, whenever that is. Baal Shem Tov says, you only have one moment in this world, and that moment is right now. useless mic back. It's not useless with either. <laughs> but it has a good sense of sound. Yes. Okay, friends, I want to introduce a song to you. That's okay. The song has one word. And that word is Ruach. Ruach. Who wants to translate Ruach? Take a stab at it. What does this word mean? Our Hebrew speakers left. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, excellent, excellent. Wind, spirit. Excellent. <clears throat> air. What do you think is the correlation between air and spirit? So obviously has to be some connection between them. Same word for both. 
we sense the soul, we think about the soul as being something very light, vis-a-vis -vis the body, which is like coarse physicality, anchors us, weighs us down. And the spirit is light. But it's also that air is all pervasive everywhere, all throughout nature, within physicality itself, the cells are oxygenized. Spirit is everywhere. It's a question of subjective awareness, not of objective reality. Are we aware of it, like Moshe was speaking about? So here's this song called Ruach, and what we hope in singing it and in learning it together, it's a simple song, it's a very beautiful song, in my opinion, is to try to awaken that awareness to the spirit in ourselves, the spirit in the world, a deeper reality. So it goes like this. Ooh. 
tonight, that means that these are the threads that are being woven into a glorious tapestry, the import of which might go deeper than right now we appreciate or understand, because just like seeds that you plant and you water, sometimes takes a long time for things to, to grow. I'm sure you've experienced this in your life, I know that I have in mine. You can have an experience that feels perhaps irrelevant in the moment. And then a couple of weeks down the line, a couple of months down the line, it's like, wait a second, a space opens up and that was exactly what you needed for that moment, for the now of then. So I just wanted to express gratitude to you. Sorry. <laughs> Ramosha spoke about Kabbalah, Kabbalah. And he made a reference to a system that's complicated, extremely complicated. It's interesting because a lot of people on the surface level would consider the legalistic sides of the Torah, all the laws and all the details of how to do it and when and where and what and exactly all the fragmented details, we consider that to be rigorous. And then maybe the spiritual side of Torah can seem like this nebulous, floaty, airy, like discipline of the heart. And, and the truth is, it's really not, it's not true. <laughs> it's not the truth. There are thousands of pages, some of the most complex, detailed, specified descriptions of a kind of matrix that underlies our reality, that can enable us to master reality. And not in a selfish way like Harry Potter, you know, like some kind of just figuring out how to manipulate things so that we can get what we want. On the contrary, on the contrary, how to bring the world to a better place. So I just wanna speak just for a few minutes now. <laughs> about some of those details without getting 
too complex and too lost. Hopefully we'll get found. And to share them with you in this moment. Kabbalah teaches that the soul is actually not as simple as one word that refers to the spiritual entity we have within the body. Soul. It's not that simple. In Kabbalah, the soul has five compartments, five different levels. Starting from the first level and then ascending, and we'll explain what all these are. On a very basic level, we could speak for hours or just say it very shortly, briefly. The first level of the soul is called nefesh. Nefesh refers to the purely, viscerally alive experience of being on this side of the curtain that divides between spiritual and physical. You are here. You are alive. Nefesh. It's very hard to translate into Hebrew because we, into English because we just translate them all as soul. Or there are different, that's why Hebrew is so nuanced. Every word is a different facet of a thing. It's deeper, it's deeper, it's deeper. Nefesh. Above that is ruach, which we just sang, which we said means spirit. Above that is neshama, which is the most common, I think the most common word that we would use to describe the soul would say neshama, right? It's the soul. And then the upper two are called chaya, which means life, living, vibrancy, chaya. And then the highest part of us is called yechida, which means the uniqueness, the unique essence. So nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya, and yechida, five parts of the soul. But the great Kabbalists divide these five into two categories, three and two. Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, the first three, are within the body. I'll explain what this means in a moment, within the body. And Chaya and Yechida are outside of the embodied experience of a physical body. However tall you are, beginning from the floor up until the top of you. In Kabbalistic terms, the three in, inner elements of the soul are called pnimian, which means they're the inside. And chaya and yechida, the upper two, are called makifim, which means they surround above. But they don't become expressed within the embodied experience of our identity. We look in the mirror. Fascinatingly, all of human functionality can be essentially divided into three parts. We act, which means we physically move, we speak, and we think. We act, we speak, and we think. And you can pretty much divide all of what you did today, think back at it, into one of those three categories. We either spoke, and speaking includes action, because you move your mouth. We thought, and we acted. Pretty much the three things we did, and you can divide anything that you did today into one of those three categories. That's the human functionality. 
Nefesh, the lowest part of the soul, correlates to action, just pure mindless action, just acting for no reason. Like an animal. Animals also have a nefesh. They just act mindlessly, and they can't speak either. That's action. Ruach, one level above nefesh, is speech. God breathes spirit into the first man. And the commentators explain he breathed a speaking ruach. A ruach, a spirit, a speech. That's speech. So we have action, we have speech. What would neshama correlate to, do you think? The third part of the soul, if the first is action, the second is speech, the third might be thought. Right? These three categories, action, speech, and thought, nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Chaya and yechida, these two surrounding elements of the spirit, don't become expressed in our functionality. They're there. They don't become expressed. But the question is, can we feel them? Can we experience something beyond the general Definitions that we use to describe who we are based on what we've done, based on what we talk about, based on what we think. Is there a moment when I can tap into a transcendent element within my identity? Many, many, many people, likely billions of people, out of the seven, I think we're at eight, is that true? We're at 8 billion? Yeah. yeah. I saw that on the Good News Network. Um, right? <laughs> on the regular news, they were decrying it, you know, or destroying the world. So, but on the Good News Network, right? 8 billion people. Incredible thing. I dare say that billions of those people are yearning, certainly at one point in their life, and I'm being very, it's many, 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 many more times than once in their life are yearning for a sense of freedom from their thoughts, words, and actions. They can feel trapped by certain modes of behavior, certain ways of speaking, certainly certain ways of thinking, and they're yearning just to be able to taste for a moment something that's beyond, that's still them, but that reaches beyond the way in which they present themselves to the world. So I think that if we can actually discover a way of doing that, that would appear to be a, a miraculous tool to be able to use, to go to a place that's beyond and to feel the freedom of that in a higher part of myself. I'm not annihilating my identity. It's still within me, but it's like a little escape. It's a little vacation. Now, if neshama, which is the highest barrier to my identity, is thought, then that would mean that to access Chaya, which is one above that, I need to go beyond thought. I need to go beyond thought. Because thought, again, is where everything begins. We think what we want to say. We th hopefully, we think what we want to do. That's where our functionality begins, in the mind. How we feel. Everything begins. So the question is, how do I get beyond that? How do I experience myself beyond thinking? Here's a deep secret. And I pray 
that I, in my own life, could find more time, could make more time, as the Oper would say, to practice this. Because I do, I do practice it, but I would love to have much more time to spend in this place, because it's a place of healing. Like Reb Moshe said, if we analyze our thinking, 99.9% of what we're actually thinking about is in the past or in the future. We're worried about the future. We mull over the past. And that's pretty much what the mind is occupied with almost all the time. This is most easily recognized <clears throat> in those periods of time where you're actually waiting for something, right? So you're queuing in the, in the store. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to shop and pick up apples or whatever it is that you're doing at the supermarket. In that moment, that, that moment is not really valid in and of itself because you're not there to be there. You're there because you're on your way home and you need to restock your fridge with apples, for example. And so what I'm thinking in that actual moment of being in the supermarket, I may as well be anywhere else in the world because it doesn't matter to me in that moment. What I'm thinking is, what do I, ha what do I have to do and, and, and usually how long things are taken because I, I have other things to get to. Most of our thinking is about past and future. Now that's the key to getting beyond it. What's the key to getting beyond it? To begin to experience the present. To begin to feel the now. Fully. Now the question is, how do you do that? How do we do that to get so, so open and aware of the now that I can transcend thinking and I can just be? Because we are not called human doings. We are called human beings. But we very, very rarely experience the humanity within ourselves because we're so busy doing. And whether it's physically or speaking or thinking, we're doing all the time. There is no other way in my, in my limited experience, but I've, I've poked around the fair bit because I, I've spent most of my life trying to get out, and trying, to, trying to transcend, trying to get to a place that's just beyond the noise, than to actually practice, and not like practice makes perfect type of thing, but to practice the following. Clear 15 minutes. I say 15 minutes, it could be, it could be two minutes, like Rabdovar will also speak about. It could really be an hour. And the, mo and the more that you spend, the more time, the stronger you'll build up these muscles, which I'll explain in a minute, and the deeper you'll go. And it's a phenomenal experience because up until pretty recently, I never had an experience like this in my life. Listen to this. Sit down in a, in a standard setting of life. I found it easier when you're not around human beings, just because it's just easier, at least for the beginner like myself. Sit in a park, and so you'll hear the wind rustling through the trees, and you'll hear cars in the distance, and you'll hear some dogs barking and birds chirping, and just the, the ambiance, right, of the, of the park. Turn off your phone. <clears throat> Preferably don't even have it, because even having it and it's off, it's still there. Sit up straight, not, not now, but, but sit up straight in the chair. 
close your eyes and listen. Just listen. However, do not interpret the noises you hear. Listen to this. I'm telling you a very deep secret. Changed my life. Do not begin to interpret what you hear. Meaning to say, don't hear a car and say, oh, I know what that is. That's a car. That's already your mind. Don't hear a dog barking and begin to picture, I wonder what kind of dog it is, and I wonder whether it's coming toward me. Unless like you actually hear a dog running at you, then you should probably open your eyes and run away. But if not, right, don't try to imagine it. Just listen to the sound. Observe the quality. Don't judge it. Judging is the mind. We're going to get to that in a minute. Don't judge it. Just literally be in that moment. I want to admit to you that for well over 20 years, for well over 20 years, there was not one time in my life other than when I was sleeping that I actually sat and just was. And that's a shocking, shocking thing to realize. Shocking. What the heck am I so busy with? What, what am I so busy with that I cannot experience life as life, just life? Sound is the anchor. Observe. Eyes closed. And you know what your mind will do? It'll want to interpret. It'll want to start thinking about. It'll start judging. That's what the mind does. It judges. It interprets. That's fine. That's natural. That's normal. The mind is going to do that. that. That's what the mind does. And we need that capacity. What do we do? Bring it back. Just bring it back. Non-judgmentally. Bring it back to the sounds. Each time you do this, it's like a repetition with a weight. That muscle gets stronger. Bring it back. And it runs away again. Bring it back calmly. Stay awake. This is not you're, not, you're not falling asleep. You're awake and you are just experiencing life. In that moment, a portal opens to an experience of reality that's far more visceral than even the most intense of conscious experiences. Take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Try it. And it takes courage to try because it, it seems very hippie and it seems very out there and floaty. And I'm not that, I happen not to be that kind of guy. I'm, a, I'm, a very, I'm way too much of a grounded person. And I had certain experiences in my life that pushed me to this. Like I needed to do this. And I did it. And it changed me. It changed me. So break past the preconceived notions of what kind of people do this and what kind of people don't do this. You are the kind of person that can do this. Let's forget it. Just clear some time and do it. When we say that God is infinite and that God is eternal, that means that by God there is no past and there is no future. There can't be. Because past and future only relates to something that had a beginning and something that had an end. And so at any given reference point, we can look back and say, oh, those are the things that happened in the past. Or look forward and say, oh, those are the things that are going to happen in the future. But an eternal being that's forever, which is a concept our minds can't actually grasp, just means like Ramosha said, God is in the present. Closing off that part of us. That's the beginning of the ego, which is what blocks out an experience of God, blocks out humility, blocks out openness toward, an, toward the other in a relationship, blocks out channels of goodness coming down to our lives when it's just us. When we can put that aside 
we encounter a force that's beyond an intellectual grasp of is there a God or isn't there a God? It just is. You feel something because you transcended the noise of life. I just want to close with this. One of the most, not, not one of the most, the most important episode in the Torah is the episode of Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, in the Garden of Eden, with one commandment, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when there's another tree that's called the tree of life, being seduced into it by the snake, a story we're familiar with, eating this, bringing death into the world, bringing labor into the world, bringing work into the world, and so on and so forth. That story is a very, very important story. It has millions of meanings, millions. Because that's the story of what you and I are here to fix. That's the story of the mistake you and I are here not to make. And I believe very, very strongly that that story is a story about choosing God over ego. Seeing ourselves as divine beings instead of what's in it for us. Because the tree of knowledge of good and evil essentially means the tree <coughs> of judgment. This is good, this is bad, but this is already the mind. This is what the mind does. The tree of life is just life, life itself. Without me needing to interpret it or judge it or think about it, just experience it. Experience it. Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, right away just scamper into the realm of the ego without even realizing what they're about to do. And in so doing, they cause humanity that comes from them to be mired within an experience of perpetual lack, perpetual frustration, brokenness, anguish, sadness. A sense of futility, a sense of never being truly satisfied. They drag all of humanity into an experience of fragmentation, never being able to taste the all. Because the all is not in the future. And the all is not in the past. Those are, that's already the realm of fragmentation. One day I'll be happy. Oh, I remember the good old days. That's the ego, that's the mind. The all is in the tree of life, is beyond judgment, is what you already have on the level of quality, not quantity, go deep. That's the place of satisfaction. That's the place of the fullness of being a human. That's called developing. And this is the secret of what Hashem says to the very first Jew, the first time he communicates to a Jew. He says two words, lech lecha, which on a simple level means go to Israel for yourself. And he commands him to leave his family and leave his house and to go seek something and to go plant a seed of eternity and, and so on and so forth. But the Hasidic masters teach that it means something else. And it wasn't just God speaking to Abraham. It's God speaking to me and you. And they say that Abraham had a question because he looked around the world. He was a pretty perceptive person. And he said, this world is futile. This world is full of lack. And any pleasure that there is in the world is just scratching an itch, but the itch came first. Like Alan Carr has a famous thing about smoking, right? Is that nicotine doesn't bring you to a plus one. It just fills a sense of lack. And so it itself creates the need. And then it just brings you back to status quo where everybody else who doesn't smoke already is. But it's an illusion that it gives you more. 
I'm hungry, so I eat, and now I'm satisfied. Is that all life is? Just feeling lack? Where's the plus? Like, where's life itself? Hashem says to Abraham, Lech Lecha. There's only one place you'll find everything, and that's in you, and that's now. Go into yourself, not go for yourself. Lech Lecha, go in. Go in. Because on the level of externality, you can only look in one direction at once. Everybody has a fragmented view. There's only one place where you're whole, and that's the place beyond your view, beyond your perspective, beyond your you, with your sense of, of, of self-doubt and not feeling enough and, 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 and the mistakes that you've made and hopes for the future that you feel you'll never make. Or what, however else you define yourself, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. If not all the time, then at least for brief moments of eternity. Leave it. Lech lecha, go in, go beyond. Go beyond. So I just wanted to give that to you and to <clears throat> reinforce for myself the importance of this kind of experience because when we draw a place beyond our thinking, guess what happens? Our thinking changes. And when our thinking changes, the way that we speak changes. And when the way that we speak changes, it cascades down the ladder of the spirit to change the way that we behave. And life becomes a life that's a vessel for wholeness, for fullness. And we become a vessel that's so full that we can't help but overflow onto others. And that's the Jewish mission, to uplift the world by being so full that you naturally overflow onto everybody else with kindness and goodness and depth and awareness and wakefulness. Thanks again for being here.
sisters and Was it the Katsuk or no, the Rottenberg Sukkah? And I taught a song there, it's easy to learn, we'll just sing it, we'll let everybody, if you guys want, take more sushi, and then we'll settle in for the last talk of the evening. And it goes like this.
Take out your phone. An ancient, ancient technique. Everyone's got your phone? Yeah? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to put it on the windowsill. Okay, guys, stand up now. It's an ancient technique. And it shouldn't be on vibrate, it should be on silent. Amazing. 
Like, in fact, if you want to put it on flight mode, airplane mode, then you can because we're going on a journey. So when you go on a journey, you shouldn't, you should have your phone on. Now, by the way, it needs to be a little distance from you, otherwise it still affects you. This is what we want. It's got to be on the windowsill. Under the chair still affects you. <laughs> The monks told me this. Ancient techniques. Ancient. You should have spoken first. Okay, so everyone's done that. It's a crazy technique. What? It's in my book. It's on the, on the windowsill. Okay, now the second thing you're going to do is you're going to put your bags in. You don't need any of that. You don't need any don't be holding anything. It's an ancient, ancient Japanese meditation technique I learned in Korea. Okay, now what you're going to do is crazy idea. But you can stand up please. Stand up. And you're just gonna stretch a little bit. Neck, uncross your arms, uncross your arms, you don't need to cross your arms, neck, ah, that's much better. Ah. Go like this a bit, go on. there you go, whoa, oh yeah. <laughs> I used to go clubbing Saturday night. <laughs> now what you're going to do is, before you sit down, you're going to actually pick up your chair, and you're going to take it somewhere, not in this set structure, just somewhere you feel comfortable, with a little bit of space. Yeah. A little bit of fat, a little. I know you feel uncomfortable with that, but let's. Let's face it. I mean, you need to get the You've gone so far away. I think, Vic, do you want a little bit of space? No, no, good. Let's face it, come, please. No, no, I like that. Yeah. Good idea. Huh? I'm good at it. This, just get this one. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay, that's okay. I'm good at that too. Okay. All nature. I don't want any of all. Ah, okay. Arms. Um, Christian chair. Now, you can keep your shoes on if you want to, but I wouldn't. But if you want to, you can, but I wouldn't. They call me Rabbi Delberto. For a reason. Because I like my feet to breathe. And my shoes, shoes are locked in Hebrew. Shoes lock you in. So you just want to unlock your, those little toesies need to wiggle. It's an ancient, ancient thing. And you've got to smile. Hello, smile. It's okay. Everything's cool. Ah, okay, let's look up. Let's look up. We've been talking a lot, so I'm just going to talk a little bit. My esteemed friends and colleagues have been talking about being in the present moment. Being in the present moment. 
and your mind is always in the past and the future. And there's something called the present moment. So how do you connect to the present moment? How you connect to the present moment is you focus on something that is in the present moment. What you focus on, that's what you experience, that's what you feel. So there are six things that are in the present moment that you can focus on. And Yaakov mentioned one of them, and that sounds. Just go and sit in the park, listen to the sounds, and when your mind says, that's a car, I don't like that sound, and that's a bird, that's helping my meditation. Oh, that's a dog, and oh, my ex-girlfriend, that's a dog. Just come back to your, just listen. The other things in the present moment, basically you've got your five senses. So sometimes we look at a candle, or we look at the sky, or we look at things. And you've got smell, a very, very important one. To smell something in the present moment, if you can get lavender oil or something. Smell. So your five senses, but the main thing we tend to use in meditation is our breath. The breath. The breath is in the present moment and it's very calming. And it's very vitalizing. So just be able to focus on your breath. And just like Echo was saying, you're going to focus on your breath coming in and going out. And what's going to happen is, after about a second, your mind is going to freak out. It's going to be like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. How long is he talking for? I've got that thing, but I'm going to watch the football. Just as soon as you notice your mind freaking out, just smile. And say, it's okay. This is like a baby. Say, it's okay. It's okay, I love you. Don't get frustrated with yourself. And then feelings are going to come up. I feel bored, I feel anxious, I feel something. Also, those feelings, just let them come, and then come back to your breath. So we're going to do this. We're going to do a two-minute two minute focusing on our breath meditation. Now, we're going to close our eyes, because it's easier. If nothing else, just try and keep your eyes closed. There's going to be a beat. I want to open my eyes just to check to see if everyone else has got their eyes closed. <laughs> All of those things. So keep your eyes closed. We're going to do this, but there's got to be lots of smiling. When you notice that you're not doing the meditation very well, don't get upset or bored, I just smile and try again. Okay? Okay, sit up straight if you want to. Actually, you don't even need to, but if you want to sit up straight, sit up straight. Loosen your neck and shoulders, gently close your eyes. Uncross your legs and your arms. Okay, you ready? Gently close your eyes and start breathing. Close your eyes, start breathing very gently and steadily and calmly through your nose. And try and fill up your lungs. And smile. And then very gently release your breath. Breathing in and out very steadily. Filling up your lungs and smiling. And when you breathe out, just feel like you're letting go of any tension. You're just becoming very calm. And anytime your mind starts wondering, just catch it and very, very gently bring your attention like this. Coming in. Going out.
and trying to get into a rhythm. Just breathing in, focusing on the breath coming in, feeling into the lungs, smiling, <coughs> and gently releasing your breath. Just do this for one more minute. Mind wanders, just catch it and gently bring it back to your breath. seconds, <coughs> breathing deeply, smiling, smiling is very important, loosening your neck and shoulders if you need to. just share an insight or an experience that they had. Anything. You can just say that was terrible, I couldn't do it. Or you can say, yeah, I had a moment of peace. Or is there any, anything? Peaceful. Peaceful? Nice. Very calm. Nice. It is calm. Anyone else? Who's in control? In control. That's nice. Okay, because our sages teach us that the deeper you go within yourself, <coughs> the calmer it gets. The deeper you go within yourself, or the higher. If you've got Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, they've got all their stuff they're doing. The higher and the Yechida, the higher levels, they're just very calm. They're very clear. They're very simple. They're very fresh. So we want to try and get out of the surface level of ourselves and go a little bit deeper. And in that place, we say every morning, We have a place of pure, purity and calm. And we can get there through our breath. The word for breath is neshima, and the word for soul is neshama. So use our breath. Now what we're going to try and do now, Rav Maisha was speaking about the fact that what you focus on, that's what you experience. And you could focus on your feet. I've only got five minutes left here, so we're going to try and focus on not our feet. We're going to try and focus on Anushana, or Chaya, Yechida. You focus on your feet, you have something called awareness. And you could put your, all your awareness on those flowers now. And that would be your whole awareness. 
And you can put all your awareness on your feet. You can put your, you can control your awareness. And that comes into your awareness. But there's something, it's like a, a camera. A camera can take a picture of anything apart from itself. And now in the mirror it can. And, but for now there's no mirrors. A camera can take a picture of anything apart from itself. But our sages teach us that your awareness can focus on anything, but it can also turn back on itself. You can make yourself the focus of your own awareness, and it's called in Hebrew, Chavaya. Chavaya, in modern Hebrew, that means just like a good experience. Right? <laughs> I was in India, it was a Chavaya. But our Kabbalistic masters teach us there's something called Chavaya, which is directly experiencing yourself. So what we're going to do is, we're going to start by what we just did. Just trying to breathe and become calm. But then Rav Maishi did a beautiful meditation where you asked yourself, who am I? And everything that comes up, I'm a son. It's not who I am, that's a role. I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm this. Well, those are my roles, that's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a tennis player, that's something I do, that's not who I am. This is my name, that's not who I am. By the way, even your thoughts and your emotions, that's also not who you are. And your talents aren't who you are. None of that's who you are. You're the one that is experiencing the thoughts and the emotions. So by asking yourself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You can strip away all the levels of who I am and try and reveal that you know who you are. You are the one that is asking, who am I? <laughs> but we're not going to do that meditation because we already did that. You should practice that one. We're going to do a direct meditation and it's what we're going to do is, we're just going to repeat the phrase Ani Kayam or Ani Kayemet. And you can say it in English, it means I exist. I exist. I exist. And when we say the word I or Ani, you need to be referring to that place. Just by saying that that place exists with no thinking about it. Not, not judging, comparing, no thinking about it, just to say it over and over and over and over again. We go beyond logical mind and hopefully try and experience that I. I exist. I, there's a, there's a pure soul that exists. And that's it, that's what we're going to do. So this is going to be 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta lighten up a bit, guys. Well, this is a meditation. That was a joke. Okay, try not to do the scratch. <clears throat> so, okay, so you ready? Everyone go like this first. <sighs> Let's enjoy this. Let's try and enjoy it. Not that I'm not good at this. I can't. I can't do that. Enjoy us. <sighs> Okay, you ready? So we're going to just start, we're going to guide you a little bit, and then you're going to go to the place of Anika. Okay, you ready? Okay, everyone sit up straight. Smile, smile, smile. And just close your eyes, close your eyes to And smile, please smile. Please, smile. Ah. 
Everyone take one very deep breath and go like this. Ah. Ah. And listen your neck. So here we go. Close your eyes and start breathing in and breathing out. Focus on your breath. Every time your mind goes crazy, just smile at it. Just smile. Okay, so get back into your rhythm. Breathing in, filling up your lungs and smiling and breathing. especially when your mind starts wandering. And try and feel that you're going to a deeper place within yourself, beneath the waves of your mind, a deeper, clearer, calmer place. saying to yourself, I exist, or Anikayam, Anikayam. Breathing in very, very deeply, filling up your lungs. place a bit deeper, place of love and joy and self-compassion.
30 more seconds. Breathing, smiling, and deeper in yourself. isn't to detach and sit in a cave and meditate, it's to get moments, two minutes a day, where you can sit and breathe, and then bring that into all your interactions, everything you're doing. So you're living from a calm, more healthy, deeper, more compassionate, loving, non-judgmental place within yourself. And then it becomes a way of being. This is just who you are. You're living from this deeper place, but it takes practice, and the practice is two minutes a day, three minutes a day, you can put on some nice music, listen to music and just breathe, just breathe and smile. You can hire me, I'll just sit there. <laughs> yeah, I'll walk around with you. <laughs> I'll just accompany you, follow you everywhere. How much do we sell the phones back? No, they don't get the phones back, that's really interesting. By the way, you don't get your phones back, we just say to you. <laughs> Phones are my knowledge. And you're There are many ways to stay in touch. And yeah, guys, so, whoa. First, first of all, I just want to say from my standpoint, usually I would be on the other side also participating in the, medica in the medication, which it is, in the meditation. Um, but just getting to sit here and not having my eyes closed because I was sort of trying to play and and witnessing fully grown adults with all the things that we have and are having really the, the, the commitment to self-care enough to just sit, to trust the process, to give ourselves time for ourselves was a very, very powerful thing just for me. Because I know that each one of you and each one of us, our whole world of different things going on, like we're very complicated. But the simplicity of just sitting in a freaking chair and putting our phone on a windowsill and not holding anything and just being is like shocking. It's shocking. And so just outside of anything else, like that's a pretty amazing thing we just did. And there are many, many different ways to just get to a place of calm. But the key is you gotta take one of them. <laughs> you have to actually take it. And it means you have to really commit. If you felt something here and you want to continue make a commitment in your life. It's the greatest gift, forget about yourself, it's the greatest gift you could give to anybody around you. It's the greatest gift you can give to anything you're trying to accomplish in the world, all the good you want to do, all the places you want to get. It seems counterintuitive, it's two minutes not actively working on those things that serves as the soul that brings energy into the rest of your day, into the rest of who you are. So, um, all of us, three speakers, 
are on social media. If you have Facebook, I think you can reach out to any of us that way. This is Dover Cohn, Rabbi Dover Cohn on Facebook. This is Moshe Gersh, Rabbi Moshe Gersh, and Yanko Klein on Facebook. Feel free to reach out, feel free to connect. We post content there, we post classes there, we post teaching there. Um, and that's just on social media. We are here, we are present. And if anybody's interested in connecting through your particular ish connection, reach out, get in touch. I'm happy to continue to take this journey with you and continue to explore. And it's not like in the level of, you know, me like helping anybody. It's just me trying to help myself. And if I can walk this journey with others that are interested in growth, that are interested in taking life seriously, that are interested in really overflowing onto the world so that we can do something godly here, I'm game, you know? So, um, so that's that. I just want to leave a couple of minutes. If anybody has any questions, any on anything that three of us said, you just address we are asking. Um, just wanted to open the floor and create a space for that. <laughs> and if anyone wants to uh, come with me to take life less seriously, <laughs> <laughs> that's worthwhile. Yeah. yeah, so we're open. I guess raise your hand if you have anything you want to say or. It doesn't have to be a question, just anything you want to share about tonight or your expectation coming into tonight, your expectation coming out of tonight. Um, have you heard of meditation before? Have you done it? Have you, just any reflection at all? Have you I've heard, heard of meditation. Yeah. Yes? Any book recommendations? Mastering Life. <laughs> Mastering Life is Rabbi Berkon's book. It's for sale for 20 pounds. Afterwards, you can see Rabbi Berkon. Moshe's book is also available for sale. I don't think there's more downstairs. I think there are more downstairs? You know, I just stole them You? No, those three. Oh, those three, okay. So it is on Amazon, though, like most things that you can buy. Um, so it's called It's All the Same to Me, and it's fantastic. And um, yeah, that'll be a good. Call. I run an online eight week Jewish mindfulness and meditation course. LitMindfulness.org, L-I-T, Living in Tune. Nice. It's just eight weeks of breathing and being really nice to yourself. It's really healing and loving. LitMindfulness.org. Check that out as well. So if anybody has anything they want to say, leave us with. Um, now's the time. Yeah. And there are not, so we shall, we shall close.
ਕੀ ਹੈ